0: And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church.
1: But I just feel, so I'm not doing this because I got preacher's itch, but I'm doing this because I have a mandate on my life. Amen. The book of Job, chapter 8 and verse number 11. The book of Job, chapter 8 and verse number 11. I want you to consider, if you will the stage that has been set sometimes it takes a mountain I had no idea they were singing that song today sometimes a troubled sea but whatever it takes for us to die before the Lord Amen the Lord dealt with me this morning about something Sister Amanda confirmed in her message today and so there are just too many things for me to ignore and so I just want you to stay with me alright Job 11 and, Job 8 and 11, the Bible says a question, two questions. Can the rush grow up without mire? Can the flag grow without water? Can the rush grow up without mire? Can the flag grow without water? From that, I want to speak to you today from this subject, out of the mire, out of the mire. Amen. Amen. Brother Chris, offer pray if you will. Lord Jesus, we love you today, God. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity you've given us to be in this house, God. I ask you now to let your word be spoken to Lord Jesus, open our hearts to receive it. Oh, I love you, Jesus. Oh, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. And you can be seated. In these few prophetic words is the true existence of man. In, L, in, in these few words is also the nature of God's will for the church. And so we are, and I, I understand. Let me just pause here for a moment. I understand I, I went in here with a, uh, a little razor knife and I just carved out one scripture And there's a story before this and after this. But this is Job in the throes of his trial. His friends, so-called friends, are sitting down around him. And they're offering anything, in my opinion, but a lot of encouragement. And it is a man by the name of Bildad that actually utters these words. And so he asks a question, can the rush grow up without water? And can the flag, or without the mire, and can the flag grow without water? I want to talk about this rush if we can. The Bible talks about this rush. The rush here is papyrus, or it's a type of a reed that we may see growing along the banks of a river. And it's where we derive the word paper from. The reeds that is spoken of here in Scripture specifically, grew around the Nile River and they were extremely versatile. It was more than just a plant. It was not just something to look at. It was, as a matter of fact, in many respects vital to the existence of of man because it served many purposes. If you were to take one of these reeds and you would beat it out, they could be woven together and used to make clothes to wear. The roots of the reed could be dried and they were often used not only to start a fire but many times is what one commentator said it might have been a poor man's fire. Some would even weave so much more than just clothes. It could be woven into sails for ships and, and uh, as the sail of a ship that would allow the merchants of that day to transport their wares from port to port. Hunger could be satisfied by the eating of the plant Additionally, the heart of the reed was cut into small strips, beaten out, dried, and they were made into what we may recognize as scrolls. And the scrolls of that day were very, very vital because it is on the scrolls that they wrote everything. And so when Bill Dad talks about the rush, when he makes mention of that, that word, R-U-S-H, Means something to you else to you and I in this world, but understanding Job, Bildad understood that Job would know exactly what he was talking about. Amen. When he knew that the word rush was also another word for read, and so without a doubt, Job got it, he understood, he understood that the read that Bildad was speaking of, was one of the building blocks of their civilization, amen, we just think about for a moment how our society, if we we just forget the fact that it could be made into cloth or sails or that it could be eaten to feed the hungry or if the roots could be dried and used for food, if we just think if it only had one single solitary purpose and that purpose would be just simply to... Write on the papyrus or the scroll to understand today how important paper would be. Think how dependent we are as a society upon paper. Not just uh, just in a superficial way to write a note as a reminder, but legal documents are all drawn up on paper. Amen. And so we have the ability today to learn and to understand and to be far more prepared for our future because we have a record of the past. And so the rush or the read was a true necessary element in the growing of a cultured society because no civilization could exist successfully without recording already attained knowledge. We don't have to keep passing just in the same path again and again and again because we have record of attained knowledge. We just simply go back to that historical document, that record, and it reminds us of something. The Egyptians advanced in their understanding to become the greatest world power of their day because they were able to capture for future generations the laws and the dreams of their fathers. Our very Bible is a product of of what the Scripture talks about, holy men of God being moved on by the Spirit. Amen. And they, with their reed in their hand, wrote on the papyrus scroll. They wrote down the eternal truths of God's Word, and we have it before us today because somebody wrote it down. Therefore, without the rush, we would not have books and the literature or the history from that time period. We would be void of the riches of all biblical history had it not been for the fact that someone took time to write it down. So without the papyrus reed, the men of Job's day would have been illiterate. Amen. They would have been void of any societal or even educational advancement. There would be no way to keep moving forward if we have to keep repeating the past. But because somebody chronicled it, somebody wrote it down, and somebody nailed it down, then society as a large and the world as a whole could move forward. And so, in in chapter 8, verse 11, Bildad asked this question. It doesn't make much sense to us if we are just reading it through in daily reading. Can the rush grow up without mire? Without the rush, you see, there would be no civilization. Job understood the depth and the breadth and the magnitude of that statement. Amen. But he also understood this, that without the rush, without the ability to have the scrolls, then there would be no civilization. But he also understood something a little bit deeper than that, and that is without the mire, there would be no rush. Without the mire, there would be no reed. Amen. So while we're thankful for the reed that lifts its branches or it lifts its stem above the waterline, what we have to understand is the reason that we have the reed is because there's something below the waterline. <laughs> Amen. One is dependent on the other. The rush, I've read, can grow up to six feet tall above the surface of the water, not counting, of course, the depth of the water. However, beneath the root and the fiber of that growing green rush or reed is a murky and a mushy mire. It's not pretty. It's not anything that you would take home and put on a shelf it's not anything that you would boast of it's not anything that you could really take and make a lot of out of its own this dark and black mire is the substance of things amen that have been accumulated by the death of things that were once living amen we understand many of us being in this from this community that the dark color of the Suwannee River is not just tent added somewhere north of us amen but it is the end result of dying and decaying leaves that created the tannic acid that colors the water it's the mire, it's the muck, amen, those things that were once alive that died out, dropped to the bottom. Amen. Now they are serving as a mire or a muck. Amen. But in the midst of that mire, something something alive is going to spring forth and it will make its way to the surface of the water and then beyond. The mire is the congealing of life that has died to give life to something else that has not yet lived. John chapter 12 and verse 24, the Bible says, except the corn of wheat fall to the ground and die, it abideth alone, but if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. And so sometimes we are not comfortable with dying out in the presence of God. We're not comfortable with God calling our hand. We're not comfortable with allowing some things in us to die away. but the beauty of it all is if we'll allow some things to die in our life amen from that death and I speak in great deference to those who have had sadness invade your world this week amen but I'm going to tell you then in the spiritual realm as which I speak amen if we can let some things die in us amen we think it's forever lost amen we think it's just a muddy mess we think that it is something that no one would desire but if we can put that in the hand of the creator, amen, from the muck and the mire, amen I'm going to tell you out of the mire something can spring forth, you wonder today what good could ever come from the valley that I'm walking through what good could ever come from the sickness that I'm experiencing what good could ever come from the peril that's in my life maybe your job is in jeopardy or your future is somewhat on shaky ground, I'm going to tell you that if we can put our hand in the hand of God, amen, out of the mire God can bring forth life out of death God can bring forth strength out of weakness God can bring forth direction out of waywardness He can do it, amen Bildad asks can the rush grow without the mire The obvious answer to that question is no Because every great and beautiful thing in nature Has at its root some dark experience you write it down and I'm not trying to incite or breed suspicion in you but you write it down that anyone that's ever been mightily used of God that beneath all that you see that shines and beneath, beneath all you see that glistens beneath all you see that is anointed and is powerful and beneath all the things that you would like to emulate and become in your life can I tell you there's been a whole lot of dying there's been a whole lot of death there's been a whole lot of hurt there's been a whole lot of heartache but God took the mush and the mire and he said if you'll leave that in my hand and don't get bitter and don't get indifferent amen don't get bent out of shape don't get warped out of shape I'll let life come out of the mire I'll let it come out of the mire every mighty and every significant spiritual awakening whether that is individually, in a family, or in a church. Every mighty, magnificent, spiritual awakening has a murky midnight somewhere in its past. Can I tell you that strong churches don't just happen and mature saints don't just sprout up from the surface of thin air, but somewhere there's been some dying going on. Somewhere there's been some hurt and heartache and pain and trouble and trial. Hallelujah. Hallelujah preaching to anybody here today amen we say God we want a strong church but nobody wants the mess to go along with it God I want a powerful ministry but nobody wants the mess to go along with it God I want to be mightily used of you but what he's saying amen what he's saying do you really understand what you're asking for because out of the mire that's where the beauty comes from out of death out of dying out of soil amen out of that that is un out of that that is not beautiful out of that that is that's not easy to behold that is where the life is going to come from we love to tell and sing about the redemption of calvary's cross amen and what we know that redemptive the redemptive power of the cross and what we know it can and does do in the lives of people powerful songs have been written about calvary it has moved us. We sing about the blood, that blood that was shed. Amen. Run into the highest mountain, to the lowest valley. Sermons have been preached on the subject of Calvary, sermons which will echo throughout all eternity. It is a powerful story of truth. However, while we may sing and preach about Calvary's redemptive qualities, we can ill afford to forget that Calvary is hinged on three nails and a thorn, a, th- a crown of thorns. Amen. We can ill forward to forget that Calvary is hinged on a nail pierced side. Amen. A man who was spat on and mocked. A man whose beard was plucked and he was beaten. Amen. We think about oh thank you Lord. Thank you Lord for redemption. Thank you for Calvary's cross. And we relate that only to a chill of his spirit moving in us. Amen. Are his power moving in a soul and seeing us speak with other tongues and rejoice. But I'm going to tell you that behind every beautiful experience of someone that has received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and gone down in a watery grave for the remission of their sins. Beneath all of that beauty is the muck and the mire of Calvary. Amen, a man staggering to get his own cross up Golgotha's hill. A man who couldn't even make it all the way to the top who needed needed someone to lift that cross. I'm gonna tell you today that out of the mire, you think, well, I wish I hadn't gone through this mess. Let me tell you something you leave that nest in the hand of God and God you won't be long and you'll see something green sprouting out oh God I just wish somehow I could have avoided all this trouble I wish I could have avoided all this death and dying but I'll tell you if you'll leave that in the hand of God amen you'll see some new growth you'll see something green come to the surface and it'll keep rising because it'll come out of the mire amen it'll come out of the mire it'll come out of the mire We cannot forget this wonderful life is grounded in the black mire of a cruel cross. The nature of the church is not just to simply live for itself, but the nature of the church is to bring life to those who have never lived. I mentioned this Wednesday. Thank you, Sister Amanda, for confirming it because I just felt like I wanted to say part of this again. Amen. I just want to touch on it. We should not come to church. If you were not here Wednesday, you're going to hear this for the first time. If you were here Wednesday, you're going to hear a little of it for the first time tonight, today. Amen. But you're going to hear, or for the sake of time, but you may hear something that you didn't hear Wednesday night. Amen. We shouldn't just come to church with the mindset of taking something home. I come in empty, and we just kind of back up and say, fill me up, Lord. Lord. But we also come with should come with the idea of bringing something with us when we come into the house of God, Amen. We need to bring something with us, Amen. Consider something with me when we think of the altar. When we think of the altar, we think about a place to come and receive. And I certainly understand that that is what what should happen, that we do come to the altar and receive, but I want to make sure that I teach you the importance of coming to the altar to give, amen, in truth the altar, as I said Wednesday night amen, was never designed to just get, it was designed for us to come and give, amen, if we don't understand the principle of coming to the house of God to give if we don't understand the principle of coming to the altar to give, amen, then I will tell you we will continue to perpetuate the idea that the altar is limited to only those who are in need amen only those who are in need and because of this way of thinking many times people don't respond when it comes time to move and respond to the presence of God amen some may say well I don't want to respond because I don't need anything and so I'll just choose to stay in my seat I'll just choose to say happily where I am because right now my tank's full my cupboard's full. right now my job's going well. Amen right now my kids are healthy. right now everything is just everything is yet I just couldn't ask for life to be anymore. And so I don't go to the altar because I don't need anything or somebody else may say, if I go to the altar, then somebody is going to think that I am have sinned. but I want to tell you tonight again that the or today again that the altar is a place that God intended for us to have an intimate relationship with him amen I wonder what would happen if we went to the altar and said I didn't just come to take today but I just came to give I just came to put something back in hallelujah I just came to put something back in I come to bring a sacrifice of praise I come to bring some worship I come to bring what I can to the house of God and I tell you again that that's what I believe is so incredible about the church we all come together and you bring something that I can't bring and I bring something you can't bring but when we all, when we all get to here amen, when we all get here amen, God takes those talents God takes these abilities, God takes these prayers, God takes these contributions, amen and he blesses the entire church because we all bring what we all have the ability to bring (laughs) yet sometimes people have opted not to be channels through which the Spirit of God can flow sadly they become vessels for just catching and gathering things to themselves get out everything that I can I want to get everything that I can and I want to keep everything that I can I just want to hold it all they walk out full but not overflowing Paul said to the Corinthian church that we have a treasure we know he's talking about the Holy Ghost the Holy Spirit And so in 2 Corinthians 4, 7, when Paul's talking about this treasure, he's talking about the Spirit of God. He said, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Amen. Another word for vessel there is the word pitcher. And so let me remind you today that a pitcher is not just for gathering, but a pitcher is for pouring amen so we have this treasure in an earthen vessel but it's not just for us to get full so that we can go home and 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 hope to make it to Wednesday till we can come back and get full again and hope we can come back next Sunday and get full again amen it's a wonderful thing to hold the truth but it is not a progressive thing if we just hold the truth amen we got to pour it out amen we got to pour out what we have amen we've got to if we don't pour out what we have can I I tell you that if we don't share what we have, that leaves nothing for spiritual posterity. Amen. That means that tomorrow's church will be weak and anemic. That means that tomorrow's church will be prayerless and lifeless. Amen. That means that tomorrow's church will have no praise and it'll have no worship. Amen. It'll just be all overcome with formality. Amen. That's why I gotta take what I get from God and I gotta pour it out into the heart of somebody else. Amen. I need to let what God has let die in me give life to something else in me let it die here and let it be born over there I got to let the spirit of God pour it out and the gospel was intended to create out of us a self sacrificing and a self denying and a self giving church the church was meant to be a part of his life and a part of his death and so if we are living today we need to understand the powerful principle of dying Spiritually, living and dying spiritually. Galatians 2 and 20 says we are crucified with Christ. And so not only should the church offer the budding flower of truth, but we should also become the soil for new growth and new humanity. Let it be born in us. Let there be some pouring out and some dying and some pouring out and some dying. Amen. I have said it another way through the years not to be misunderstood, hopefully, but some people are a mile wide, but only an inch deep. Amen. They have no root, they have no substance because there's not been any dying out, nothing building up, nothing there for something fertile to come to create fertile soil for something to come out of. Amen. We need to be, oh, uh, we need to become soil for new humanity. From the rich soil of our own self sacrifice, men and women of God can. Thrive and grow. Amen. They will become living epistles. Known. That's what the church needs to be sending. That's what the church needs to be developing. Living epistles. Known and read of all men. So I am not speaking against numerical growth. Please understand that. But the strength of a church should not merely be relegated by how many it seats. But the strength of a church should be measured by how many people it sins. Living epistles read of all men. Amen. Our light affliction, our momentary hurts, they just develop a composite, a composing. They just develop a little mulch, they just develop something rich that something else can be born. In the heart of another generation. I'm going to tell you something. Amen. I'm not trying to sound like I know it all. But I want to speak with all the confidence that I could pull into my heart right now. But I'm going to tell you something. Despite what you may think. And despite what the devil might try to point out to you. Amen. I'm going to tell you that the future of the church is in great hands. Great hands. Amen. I'm just. Exercise in every fiber of my soul not to give you a dozen illustrations but I can tell you amen that just in the last few days my wife and I we stood and talked to two 15 year old young girls amen who who began to talk to us about what they felt in their life and their spirit I'm going to tell you something my heart was refreshed because what they were learning wasn't just something being echoed by mama and daddy amen what they were learning was not just something being echoed by grandma and grandpa what they were learning was not just some whimsical thing they got at youth congress or that they got at holiday youth convention but I'm going to tell you that the hand of God Deeply touched in their soul and what they begin to share. My Lord, I'm going to tell you, my wife and I walked away and said, Thank God. Amen. That's just a small snippet. Amen. That, I'm going to tell you that the church, the devil would love to tell you the church is going down. The devil would love to tell you that nobody wants separation and holiness anymore. The devil would love to tell you that nobody wants to come out from the world. But I'm going to tell you, there's a generation of young people. Amen. There's a generation of young converts, not necessarily young in age said I've had enough of what this world has to offer, I've had enough amen, this is not where it is the answer is not out there the answer is not on the fence the answer is not looking over the fence the answer is not living on the edge but the answer, amen, is in the word of God, in the spirit of God, hallelujah, so keep on dying mom and daddy, keep on dying grandma and grandpa keep on dying saints of the most high, because you're giving birth to something out of the mire, out of the mire out of the mire tomorrow's church is going to be stronger and greater and better I just want to yell it again I want to say it again that our best days are not behind us but our best days are ahead of us hallelujah I'm not just talking about the world of Pentecost but I'm talking about Hatchim Apostolic Church we got a great future we got a bright future because we're not afraid to die we're not afraid to die we're not afraid to die Remain standing if you will Amen Remain standing if you will If we draw, If we drop down from verse uh, 11 to verse 19 The Bible says For behold this is the joy of his Way Out of the earth Shall others Grow Out of the Dirt out of the ground, out of the sand Shall others grow I'll tell you what, we don't like dirt We get dirt on our feet We just We got all kind of things to keep dirt out of the house We don't want want sand in the bed We don't want sand on the floor If we fall down in the dirt We get up, am I right? We don't want the dirt. We want, but, but, the, but the Bible says that out of the earth shall others grow. Out sometimes of the places we want to be the least, others grow. So I'm going to beg you today, don't curse the mire. Don't curse the season you're in. Don't curse the valley you walk through. Don't curse the cross that's been placed on your shoulder. Because it's through the, through the dying process that life is sustained. Brother Brian, if you will, just maybe alone, just come to the piano. Amen. Don't curse the mire. Don't curse the things that, that allowed something to die in you. Because when it fell off. Amen. It just lay there by itself a little while, but then when the next thing fell off and died, died and fell off, it started congealing with more died and more fell off and it started accumulating. Not anything pretty, but life. Life started. Life. It's through the dying process spiritually that life is sustained. Now, Moses who is one of the greatest characters in all the Bible, when we meet him, he is just a newborn babe with a death sentence on his life. A decree decree has gone forth from, from the Pharaoh that every man child would be killed. But God and the mother of Moses had other plans and she took him and made a small boat or a small ark whatever you want to call it and she pitched it within and without but i just want to remind you that she made it from the product of the reed amen she made that little life sustaining boat He meant it was here that Moses would find safety. And it was here that Israel would find deliverance. The Bible says she made the vessel out of bulrushes. But when you look that word up, you'll find that that word means reed. She daubed it within, without. She sealed it from leaking. And then she laid with great intention. Don't think, I know sometimes we get it in our minds. She just kind of set him out in the river and sailed him alone. That's not at all. But with great intention... Amen. With great intention, with measured steps, amen. She laid that little boat among the flags at the river's edge. Amen. Which also means reed. So she made it out of the reed and she placed it among the reeds. Amen. Do you have that word picture now? From the mire, from the mud. From yesterday's dying came the material to build the ark that would preserve the seed of Israel's future deliverer, but she wasn't finished. She laid it in the flags by the river's brink. Amen. The reeds kept him afloat, but the reeds also held him right where he needed to be because somebody's coming to take a bath that's going to take, this going to make an eternal difference in the future of Israel. This is no accident. This is no accident. Can the reed live without the mire? Can the reed live without the mire? Amen. Because, because the reed had to have the mire and because there was mire, there came hope for Israel's future. Amen. The Bible says in verse 19, Behold, this is the joy of the way, that out of the earth others shall grow. Without Is- without Moses, Israel would have no deliverer. Without Moses, there would not have been a Joshua. Without Moses, there would have been no Canaan. Without Moses, we may not have ever met Deborah and Gideon and Naomi and Ruth and Boaz and Samuel and Samson and Saul and David and Solomon and the list goes on and on and on and on and on and where did it all come from? It came out of the mire. That's where it started. Below the surface in death in dying and ugly. Amen. And that that we we would never want to go through on our own, but life came, life came. amen. so I say to you today that don't curse the mire, don't bemoan the dying. amen, it may be what's dying in you that will bring life to someone else. Hallelujah. It may be what's dying in us that will bring life to somebody else. You know why you're here today? I'm speaking spiritually now You're here today I'm here today because some somebody died ahead of us <laughs> Amen Amen, go ahead Amen, they died ahead of us They died in altars of prayer They died in seasons of fasting and consecration Amen Yes they did Yes they did Amen I, I'm just I'm just Testifying of something in my life i I'm, I'm I'm sure it could be replicated many many times over. I've often said, and I always try to you know maybe insert that my mother or father would never have claimed to be perfect people, but I am thankful for a praying mother. I can remember Brother Jerry going to a little building. When I was young, and they had ladies' prayer and had a sawdust floor, saw chips floor. And I took my toys and I played under the pews and some of those shapes and sizes of those sawdust. I had no idea as a child what was going on. I knew we were at prayer meeting, but I didn't really understand. And last night, as God began to deal with me, and early this morning, as God began to deal with me, I just closed my eyes. And I just try with all my soul to hear those ladies cry one more time. They were dying. They were dying. So that something else could live. Amen. I'm talking about me. You could talk about people in your family. You could talk about loved ones that you know. Amen. They weren't afraid of the mire. Because they know when this is done, some life is going to come out of this. We didn't just spring out of a vacuum. You know that. And we're not here because talent or ability has been the catapult or the catalyst to bring us where we are. We're here today because somebody's been doing some dying. Somebody's been doing some dying. Would you slip your hands up? Would you open your mouth and let your voice be heard? I preached last Sunday. Amen. When we're trying to be quiet, the Spirit of the Lord said, No, 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 no. Amen. Let's don't pray passive, quiet prayers today. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Help us to die. Help us to realize the beauty that can come from the mire. Help us to realize the beauty that can come from the mire. Oh, God. Help us to realize it. Help us to realize it. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord.